Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Tucker Carlson is gone. And while the left celebrates, Ocasio-Cortez is actually fundraising off of his departure. People like Jimmy Kimmel and Whoopi Goldberg are celebrating on their shows. The reality is Fox is the only real loser, but there is something to be said about the weird and creepy behavior of the left as they dance and celebrate after Tucker Carlson was removed. Now, the funny thing about all of this is, one, Fox News loses $1 billion after parting ways with Tucker Carlson. Duh. He's the star of the network. He's their biggest name and he's the only draw on the channel for young people. What, what you think? You think anybody's going to go watch Hannity? Look, man, Hannity and, and, and Ingram and other personalities, they do a great job capturing the older demographic, the cable TV older conservative demographic. But Tucker Carlson was slaying it among younger, independent and conservative minded individuals. So uh, all they've really done is just unleashed Tucker Carlson, probably made him substantially more wealthy and I don't know, but the final nail in the coffin for their own network. But I love it. They've lost a billion dollars in uh, in market cap. And I think the other funny thing I was going to mention is that while uh, we lamented the loss of Tucker Carlson on Fox News, we also recognize it's a great opportunity for him to go independent. We also mocked the departure of Don Lemon in a very similar way through, uh, that the left is for uh, mocking Tucker Carlson. The only thing is they're not talking about Don Lemon. Nobody cares about him. So, uh, I think that one was particularly funny. All anyone cares about is what Tucker Carlson will do next. We got AOC. She put out this video where she's gloating and she's like, mm, deplatforming works. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It's never worked. Um, the only thing that works is when people give up. Deplatforming doesn't mean anything. Literally doesn't. The, the idea among these people has always been that if they can't see what you're doing, you must not be doing it. And that's the weirdest thing, because there have been many instances where prominent individuals got banned from Twitter or whatever and doubled down and kept working and still made a ruckus. But here's the story. We'll start with this one. I'll give you the good news before I show you the cringe inducing leftist response. Let's talk about the real aftermath of Tucker Carlson departing 
Fox News. And, and he was fired, I guess, by Rupert Murdoch because of uh, January 6th reporting. The Post Millennial reports Fox Corporation stock plummeted as much as 5% on Monday, wiping out $930 million in market value following the announcement that Fox News had parted ways with primetime host Tucker Carlson. According to Business Insider, shares of the media company recovered slightly later in the day and were trading at $29.61, down almost 4% by noon. By the market's close, shares had gone up slightly to finish at 29. So that's, that's a good recovery, I think. What did, they, what did they ultimately end up at, like $500 million down? The decision to part ways with Carlson was announced less than a week after their Dominion Systems lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. Carlson was one of the network's most popular hosts. His show was consistently rated as one of the most watched cable news shows. On Monday, former President Trump said he was shocked by the news that Tucker Carlson was parting ways with Fox News, telling Greg Kelly and Newsmax, I'm shocked, I'm surprised. He's a very good person. He's a very good man, very talented, as you know, and he had very high ratings. Trump also posted to Truth Social on Monday, the fact that Tucker Carlson will no longer be on Fox News is a big blow to cable news and to America. Tucker was insightful, interesting, and ratings gold. He will be greatly missed. You know what's fascinating? Yesterday, I covered this. AOC actually called for Tucker Carlson to be uh, criminally charged. And I, I, I don't play these leftist semantic games. That's what she did. Now, they're going to argue, well, she was saying regulation of hate speech. She said Tucker Carlson was clearly inciting violence, which is a federal felony, and said the government should regulate that. Yeah. You know how the government regulates that? They arrest you and they criminally charge you. The regulation of criminal offenses is the legal system. That's what she was calling for. I just think it's funny because um, Donald Trump says he was insightful and AOC says he was inciting. Hmm. It's funny. Puns. Uh, on Monday, it was revealed that the decision to remove Tucker Carlson from Fox and his lineup came straight from Fox Corp chairman Rupert Murdoch. R- why did I put it to you? Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch. So here's uh, uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is, uh, well, good for the left, I guess. I don't I don't. Ocasio-Cortez fundraising off of Tucker Carlson exit from Fox News. I don't know what that means. How how are you? <laughs> He's not a politician. What is his fundraising? AOC, how did you, are you saying you got him banned or something? These people will pay for anything. It's so stupid. AOC is raising money off of Tucker Carlson's exit from Fox News with a pitch attacking the comments he has made in his show. A message from Ocasio-Cortez's team to supporters obtained by Punchbowl News says Carlson spent years viciously targeting women, people of color, and the LGBTQ plus community. The message also accuses Carlson of being directly involved in inciting violence during the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the U.S. I'm sorry, the Ray Epps insurrection at the U.S. Capitol and relentlessly expressing hate speech since his show began in 2016. I got news for you, lady. Tucker Carlson may be gone, but Timcast IRL stands strong. And uh, I guess the, the half joke is I have people messaging me being like, your only competition's been canceled. So uh, I'll put it this way. Tucker Carlson is competition for us. We were not competition for Tucker Carlson, right? He's getting millions upon millions of views. We're getting in the hundreds of thousands. Our clips were doing well, but his were doing better. So, but I, I will say last night with uh, no Tucker Carlson on air at Fox News, our viewership was about double. It was like doubled. So, uh, okay. All right. Let's go, lady. Uh, I love that the only thing they have is to complain about Fox News. 
despite the fact there are many other prominent shows and channels that get comparable viewership. Like, why doesn't AOC or the left come out and say Steve Bannon's show, the, the War Room? Steve Bannon's show gets millions of views, millions. And they're acting like Tucker Carlson is the only one who exists. It's because these people have no idea what's going on. So in a sense, in essence, in a sense, it is maybe good in a lot of ways. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. He's unleashed. He can start his own network. Tons of people are going to boycott and leave Fox. Fox is garbage anyway. And then uh, the left will be too clueless about who they're supposed to be mad at. Maybe now they'll focus all their ire on Sean Hannity. And then and then what? Like, who watches Sean Hannity? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I guess Hannity's got a bunch of viewers who are older. But uh, I think a lot of Hannity's viewership was rollover. People turn on Tucker. They leave the channel on. So what's going to happen now? Well, I think they're all going to see a ratings decline, and it's going to be immediate. I'll tell you why. I'll give you an example. Luke Rudkowski of We Are Change. You guys know Luke Rudkowski. He was a recurring co-host on TimCast IRL. He loves Tucker Carlson. And he's a libertarian anarchist, whatever. I don't know what he goes by, but he's like an anti-government dude. And he loved watching Tucker. It's amazing. He's not going to watch anybody else. I think, I think, who do they have? Brian Kilmeade sat in for Tucker Carlson. I got to tell you guys, if I worked at Fox News, right? And they fired Tucker Carlson unceremoniously, abruptly, and then came to me and said, uh, would you like to take the 8 p.m. slot from Tucker? I'd be like, no. And there is nothing you can do to make me do it. So look, I, I got no, no issue with, with Kilmeade. But I got to tell you, it seems, uh, I don't know, kind of cringy, but also kind of, you know, disloyal, maybe is not the right word to, say, to, to use. I'd just say, you would not get me to sit in that chair because people are going to be like, this is not Tucker and they're not going to be happy. There were probably a lot of people who found out Tucker was no longer on the show right at 8 p.m., right when the show was supposed to start. And uh, the last thing Tucker Carlson said on Friday was, have a, have a great weekend and we'll see you all Monday. He had no idea this was coming. And so the removal of Tucker seems to be like a dick move. And if you took that seat, kind of feels like you're, uh, I don't know, party to that. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't take it. They, it, it there's, nobody should be in that seat. And this is the problem with the right. The left, they'll literally burn buildings down in defense of their people and their ideas. They will lie. They will cheat. They will steal. But conservatives can't even sit out. They can't even be like, I don't, I don't want to take that spot. When Trevor, uh, I'm sorry, when John, John Stewart um, left the, the Daily Show before um, Trevor Noah. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also 
also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. They kept going to people saying, will you take the 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 uh, the seat and host the Daily Show, and they all said no. Nobody wanted to do it. Nobody. They were like, "Dude, I am not taking John Stewart seat. It's not going to happen." They finally found Trevor Noah. I want I want I want to tell you guys something. You know, and conservatives just don't have this within them. I suppose if it were me, I would. Maybe they don't. If someone came to me and said, "Take Tucker seat," I'd be like, "You're crazy. You're, not, you're out of your mind." It was it was disloyal to fire him. It was rude, and I will not be the person who's taken that seat. Could you imagine what it would be like? What's Fox News going to do? Air reruns? Probably. They'd have no choice. Instead, it was so easy to find someone who'd be like, oh, please, please give me a seat. Oh, I want to be Tucker. And I just, I just, there's no conviction. There's no passion. There's no strength. There's no courage. Ugh. It's the one thing that made me always just want to be like, what's the point? Like, you can't even convince someone to, to boycott a company until Anheuser-Busch. So, okay, that's got me a little bit more confident. But seriously, guys, every single person who was asked should have said, no, I will not take that slot. Let Fox News air infomercials at 8 p.m. To, to, to fire Tucker abruptly without notice. Pathetic. And then I can hear people saying already, but Tim, they're under contract. And if they say, by your contract, you must host this show, I'd be like, I'll break it. Come on. You want to pay, play a game of chicken? I will break that contract. You can sue me. Do it. No, no, people have no, no conviction. I'd love. I'd love for them to threaten me and be like, take the seat so that I could sit there and be like, how are you guys doing? I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to pull out a cigar and I'm not going to say a, a, a damn word. Because they said contractually I'm obligated. Here I am, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing? It'd be amazing. It'd be absolutely incredible. The left will do it. They'll get fired from their jobs. They don't care. The right won't do it. And, you know, I, can, I, I know people say things like, you know, when I tell that story about the dude who wore the Black Lives Matter mask at Taco Bell, and they said, take it off or you're fired. And he says, fine, fire me. Then he makes a video about it, goes viral, and they're forced to rehire him. And everyone's like, yeah, but that guy's got no kids. He's got no kids. I'm like, dude, the people working at Fox News are rich. They're rich. They don't need to do this. Man, they, they could, they could, they're probably making several hundred thousand dollars per year. They can afford to be like, nah, I'm out. Ain't going to do it. Ain't going to make me. Whatever, man. Take a look at this. A message from AOC's team to supporters obtained by Punchbowl News. I read that one. It had that Carlson's exit, blah, blah, blah. Alexandria directly challenges Tucker Carlson and all the many voices like him that are sadly still on the air. She deftly exposes the hypocrisy, calls out their racism and misogyny and advances policies that will create a more just, inclusive world so, uh, so that they so desperately oppose. Multiple Democrats heralded Carlson's departure from Fox News on Monday, criticizing comments he's made on his show, including those downplaying the violence during the insurrection. Sorry, I'm sorry, the Ray Epps insurrection. Ocasio-Cortez only tweeted, wow, following the news of Carlson leaving Fox News. She accused Carlson and others at Fox News of inciting violence. Fox News said in a brief statement on Monday that the network and Carlson had parted ways and his last show was Friday. 
Carlson had signed off his last show on Friday saying, we'll be back on Monday. The network on Tuesday declined to comment on the pitch from Ocasio-Cortez, referring back to its original statement on Carlson's ouster, blah, blah, blah. Okay, sure, fine, whatever. And uh, here's, here's the video that she put out. Let me play it for you. It's only a minute long. You, you, I'm sorry to make you listen to this, but here you go. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, what I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that is arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats, not just to my office, but to plenty of people across the country. Um, I also kind of feel like I'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a Marvel movie after all the credits have rolled. And then you see like the villains like hand reemerge out to grip, grip over like the end of a building or something. But deplatforming works. It does. And it is important. And it doesn't work. Um, they just say that all the time. It doesn't. There you go. Good things can happen. Good things. It's funny because Tucker Carlson's like the only anti-corporate, anti-establishment personality on, on the corporate press. And the left is quite literally how we traditional liberals viewed the right 10, 15 years ago as establishment corporatist shills and uh, no dissenting voices allowed. But, but this, it's the craziest thing to me when they're like, deplatforming works. When? When has it worked? Alex Jones is still around doing shows. He's getting millions of views. What are you talking about? Now, okay. Okay, fine. Fair point. He was getting a lot more views. But Alex Jones is still doing his show. He's still appearing on other podcasts. Like, he's still here. They sued the guy for like a trillion dollars. They tried to. <clears throat> Excuse me. They go after him for billions. <coughs> he's still working. He's still there. He's still got a studio. He's still doing his show. What about deplatforming works? Now, you may, I guess, say that he's off YouTube. It's like, okay, so you can't see him anymore. Therefore, you mean, what, what, what is that? Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay, it works in a certain sense. It works in a certain sense. It works in the sense that AOC can't see him anymore. Okay. Tucker Carlson deplatformed from Fox News. And I honestly don't care. Actually, I'm kind of happy. But I wonder who they're going to come for next, right? Don Lemon gets fired and everybody's uh, celebrating that, I guess. I'm wondering uh, if they'll ever come in our direction. Because we talk about a lot of the same things Tucker does. Um, some things I think we go a little harder on, but mostly I think he, he goes harder on issues than we do because he's got he had certain protections being at uh, at Fox. Like uh, as a private company, there were certain things he could do, say that, uh, you know, we can't say because we face deplatforming. Granted, we also do have our website and the uncensored segments where we can basically say and do whatever we want. But um, what, what, what do they think is going to happen now that they can't see his face? Like he's going to stop existing. I'm wondering if now that Tucker's gone, as people have mentioned, like I said the other day, uh, we got text messages uh, from people being like, that was your main competition or whatever. So are we going to see a boost in viewership now that there's no Tucker Carlson? I mean, we had a lot of people that would say, hey, I, I watched Tucker Carlson, then jump over to TimCast IRL. Now it's just, I guess you can watch TimCast IRL. I don't know. I don't know. You guys can watch, uh, who is it? Killmead, if you want. I got, I, I, Tucker Carlson, I think, was uh, like the main, the main driver of, of, of traffic for Fox News. I, I'm not sure Kilmeade will have the same kind of poll. We have this from, uh, I want to show you how The View responded. I want, because, because I think, <laughs> I don't know, it's going to make you upset or whatever. Here you go. Welcome back 
word has just come down that Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. Why are they cheering? Honest question, why are they cheering? Do they watch Tucker Carlson ever? They don't. They're cheering because they're a cult. And they're like, yay, Tucker's gone. They don't know anything about Tucker Carlson. They don't watch his show. They don't listen to his segments. All they know is Tucker bad. Tucker bad. And so when he's gone, it's yay. Tucker's gone. Wave. It's so creepy. You know, we'll talk more about it tomorrow because, but we wanted to. Why, sure why is the, the views fake conservative personality waving as well? We let you know what was going well, on. Well, can I, can I ask the audience if they'll help me do something? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, folks. Na, 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 na. I think I get it, though. I think I do get it. In the world of the left, the only thing that matters is hierarchy and corporate structure. Because they're corporatist and because they're cultists, seeing someone like Tucker Carlson be ousted from Fox News, it means something to them. But for those of us that are in the decentralized network using social media to counter the corporate narrative, you know, we don't, we don't see it as that big of a deal. In fact, it may be empowering for Tucker Carlson. The reason they're so shocked by it is because they hold the power of the corporation above the individual. So when the corporation removes Tucker, it's yes. When the individual is no longer a part of the corporate machine, it's yes. Whereas for us, it's like start your own channel, start your own podcast, and you too can get the message out and be more successful. But here they are. So I, I, I do absolutely just love how they're, they have, they've, they've responded to this. Tucker, Jimmy Kimmel, and I just don't understand it. Jimmy Kimmel makes fun of Tucker Carlson saying he's been ousted. And I'm just, I, why? Your viewers don't watch Tucker Carlson. It makes no sense. And you may be saying something like, do you, do, does your audience watch Donald? Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> so I've watched CNN. I've watched Don Lemon. He's been on for a long time. I made a video uh, about him asking whether a plane was sucked into a black hole. Don Lemon gets play, gets criticism for a reason. We listen to the things he says and does. And for the most part, it's who cares because it's just him like reading news stories. But there are these cringe inducing moments like the one recently with Vivek Ramaswamy. These people don't watch any uh, Tucker Carlson at all. They've not listened to any of his arguments. We argue Tucker Carlson's arguments. I mean, uh, and uh, Don Lemon's arguments. This is the, this is the point about the, the, the big picture in the media landscape. The left just says whatever they're told to say. The right is a whole bunch of different ideologies. And that's why right doesn't even make sense. That's why I, say, that's why I usually say freedom faction. The people who believe in individual liberties, personal responsibility, meritocracy, etc. Because we're actually, when you look at how moderates consume news, it's liberal and conservative sources. So you have that degree of influence in, in conversation. Among the left, they only listen to each other. So they only know about the lies and manipulations from the corporate press. But I, I got to say, it's all been quite hilarious because you can see how they operate. Ocasio-Cortez is saying it's a good thing Tucker was, you know, removed. But it's, it's weird because they don't watch Tucker. What are they complaining about? Because he's sharing ideas that oppose theirs. That's it. It's a weird world, isn't it? It's the collective versus the, the independent uh, factions. The individualist factions of America 
versus the uh, collective corporate collective. That's what I want to call them from now on. AOC is a, is the is a leader in the corporate collective. They love their their multinational corporations. AOC can come around and pretend like she opposes Amazon, all that stuff, but they suckle the teat of the corporations and the corporate press. They love it. Absolutely. Meanwhile, they steal money from the coffers to paint Black Lives Matter in the streets. They release prisoners. Crime is skyrocketing. There's poop everywhere. But they can come out and celebrate with bread and circuses. That's right. Tucker Carlson, he's a bad man. He's gone. We did this for you. Meanwhile, the audience has no idea who Tucker Carlson is or what he does anyway. And they're not really paying attention to the fact that there's poop all over their streets. Or at the very least, they can't figure out why. But here's the good news. For the Democrats, I should say, when there's poop on the streets, they just say it's Tucker's fault. It's Trump's fault. And then these people keep voting in the charlatans who make sure these people live in poop infested streets. Well, you deserve it. I don't live there. Don't care. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Last week, Elon Musk said that any parent or doctor who sterilizes a child should get prison for life. And now in a new thread, he is doubling down once again, saying, I repeat my statement that any parents or doctors who do this should go to prison for life. And there's a long thread breaking down a lot of information having to do with an 18 year old boy who died when undergoing, let's just say, gender affirming care, as the left likes to explain it. And in this thread, we get something interesting. In a conversation between Zuby, Billboard Chris, Elon Musk, and others, there is a debate from the left and the right, but most importantly, data suggesting that this quote-unquote gender-affirming care is not actually helping these young people and actually may be hurting them. But as the story begins, we must talk about the tragedy of what we just saw from the post-millennial yesterday. And I think this story is important context to understand Elon Musk's point and data presented by Billboard Chris and others. Now, for those that don't know the context, Billboard Chris is an activist. We've had him on the show. He says that children cannot consent to these procedures. And I would agree with him. He is presenting data to Elon Musk and others showing that actually this care isn't isn't helping anybody. Let me read for you the story from the post-millennial, and then we'll break down the argument that ensued on Twitter between Elon Musk and some leftists. The post-millennial reports, trans teen died from vaginoplasty complications during landmark Dutch study used to justify child sex changes. Major complications began within just 24 hours of the surgery. A 2016 medical article documenting the tragic death of one of the participants in the linchpin Dutch study, upon which the entire child sex change uh, practice is based, indicates that puberty suppression was to blame for the young person's death. The case is that of an 18-year-old trans-identified male whose puberty was blocked by the Dutch researchers at a very early stage, meaning there wasn't enough tissue for surgeons to create a quote-unquote neo-vagina. Therefore, a more risky procedure using a section of the patient's bowel was necessary, which resulted in fatal necrotizing fasciitis. Ooh, that's flesh-eating bacteria. The manuscript by Negenborn et al. begins by saying that the absence of a functional vagina has a negative effect on the sexual quality of life of, of women. They just say outright women. And explains that multiple surgical procedures have been described for reconstruction 
in these patients. The patient is described as being a healthy 18-year-old for whom standard vaginoplasty surgery was not feasible due to having undeveloped genitals as a result of early puberty suppression. Transgender women with early onset gender dysphoria treated with puberty suppressing hormones report fewer behavioral and emotional problems and an improvement of general functioning. Readers are assured at this point. Major complications began within 24 hours of surgery and necrotizing fasciitis was confirmed in the days that followed. Despite large doses of intravenous antibiotics and repeated surgical debridement, the previously healthy patient went into multiple organ failure and died. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Once again, after this harrowing account of young person's needless death, the researchers assure the reader that vaginal reconstruction has a positive influence on the quality of life of non-transgender and transgender women, but cautions that physicians and patients need to be aware of serious complications that may arise. The investigation into the young person's death revealed that the deadly strain of E. coli most likely came from the patient's own intestines, not from the hospital setting, meaning that the more risky surgery uh, necessary due to the early puberty suppression almost certainly caused the fatality. I suppose the argument here is if the individual were an adult and uh, had natural development, they would be able to better perform these surgeries. And the question that arises, are puberty blockers the appropriate response for children? I'm going to come out and say it. The left has been screaming about what they refer to as trans genocide. We have this story from Montana. Let me show you the headline here from the Daily Mail. Montana trans lawmaker is silenced again as she tries to speak after telling Republican colleagues they will have blood on their hands if they ban sex change surgery for kids. Seven supporters are arrested in the clash. Allow me to step back for a moment and just point this out. I presented to you just a moment ago the story of a teenager who died. Is the blood on the hands of this lawmaker? I think it's inappropriate to accuse anybody of having blood on their hands when we're trying to deal with a complicated medical issue. I think, you know, everyone's going to try and do it. The fact remains that this individual was healthy and now is, is no longer living. I'm just going I'm, to I'm, I'm going to come out and say it. They call it transgenocide. But genocide is the removal of genetics, the genes of an individual from the gene pool. It refers to wiping out a group of people. It's come to mean something a bit larger than just like gene uh, removal. 
And so I would argue this. The point was made by Seamus Coughlin that the left likes to project what they do onto what you say. To put it simply, if you have children or adults who are suffering from gender dysphoria, that is, they are trans identifying and you sterilize, castrate or otherwise remove their ability to reproduce, that's literally genocide. And I've wondered about this when it comes to the trans movement, because many of these people are autistic. It seems very much like eugenics. Individuals who have trouble socializing and fitting in are being convinced by doctors to remove their ability to reproduce. Seems rather fascistic, if you were to ask me. But that's just me. Well, here's the latest story. In a tweet from Billboard Chris about this story, Zuby responds saying, horrifying. People in the West really need to pause and consider WTF they are doing and supporting with this. The reality is so vile that even advocates rely purely on euphemisms and fluffy language to get around it. Ain't that the truth? Gender affirming care, they say. Just to say child sex change. That look, here's here's what's what's fascinating about the whole debate. The right says genital mutilation. The left says gender affirming care. I don't care for either of these terms, but I certainly understand the point being made by both. I just say child sex change because that's literally what it is. It's weird, isn't it? You can't even call it that. YouTube gets mad. I call it what it is. Now, I'm certain I'm certain many people on the right are going to say, no, it is genital mutilation that, it, that they will assert that it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. The reason why I don't use that terminology is mutilation typically refers to X. So when we're talking about female circumcision and things like that, it is to remove a woman's ability. It is it, uh, a female's ability to, 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 to sense things, to, to feel certain, uh, uh, to, to damage the nerves, etc. The purpose of it is specifically to restrict something in that female. And I certainly understand the argument being, being made by the right in this circumstance, But uh, I just think the politically neutral term child sex change proves a point better than saying mutilation. Mutilation doesn't get a point across to to moderates, to leftists, to people who are uninitiated. What they just hear is the right is being sensational or hyperbolic. But saying child sex change offends the left. Why, though? That's literally what it is. That's what they're doing. What's wrong with just saying the name of the thing? That proves the point, in my opinion. Zuby points out they have to use euphemisms and fluffy language to get around it. I'll just call it what it is. And that shows how offended they they get by what they're doing. Zuby goes on to say that that first sentence just shouldn't be a thing in any type of sane society. This is Frankenstein level stuff. It's grotesque. Intellectuals can rationalize anything. But there is also wisdom in disgust and natural revulsion. Elon Musk says, I agree, this is super messed up. Mature consenting adults should do as they wish, so long as they do not harm anyone else. But this child was too young for any kind of consent. They didn't know. The child had no idea what any of this meant. How could they even know what it is to be a man or woman having not been either? That's the fascinating thing to me about the entire trans debate. They say that a child knows if they're a boy or a girl. How? I mean, just ge- genuinely, how? 
To be a man, to know that something isn't right, to be a woman, to know that something isn't right, you have to be a woman or be a man. It's fascinating that there are individuals who've not been either who wish they were. There are individuals who have not been women who wish they were. It was, uh, I think it might have been Michael Knowles or Matt Walsh, maybe, you know, they're, they're both. I think it was actually Matt Walsh asking a trans woman how they knew they were a woman. The individual, of course, did not have a real answer. And it's the most infuriating thing. They said that they had uh, listened to a podcast and on the podcast, they heard a trans person describe their experience. And Matt Walsh correctly then said, but that's not a woman's experience. That's a trans woman's experience. How do you know you're a woman? That's what I find fascinating. The individual did not ask females about their experience, their lives, and didn't relate to them. The individual related to a transgender person, which says more that it's probably something else. The sad reality was the individual said that they thought they were trans because they didn't fit in and they didn't like compliments on being masculine, which makes no sense. They said something like when people said, you're a shining example of masculinity or, or whatever. And it's like, no one's ever said that to me. And maybe it's because I'm not a shining example of masculinity, but I've never had any kind of compliment directed towards me as a person interpreted in any kind of way towards gender. You're very assertive. You're very confident. You're a little too arrogant. I mean, those are male things. Don't know. Don't care. Huh. Maybe the real experience is that they're heavily socially influenceable. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Women are more likely to be collectivist. Men are more likely to be individualist. So maybe the issue outright was this individual felt like a woman because they were more attuned to social pressures than men typically are. That actually makes sense to me. But just because a man is more effeminate doesn't mean we should castrate or sterilize them, which seems to be what's happening. Brian Krasenstein issued a response. He said, I completely understand the argument. With that said, isn't an 18-year-old a consenting adult? I think the whole trans debate gets blown out of proportion by both sides. Democrats merely believe that parents, along with doctors and psychologists, should have the right to decide what's best for these often depressed, sometimes suicidal, mid-late teens, rather than the federal or state government. Every case is different, and every teenager is different. Research has shown that providing puberty blockers to those over a certain age, usually reversible, he says, can have significant impact on depression and suicide rates. Hormone treatment and puberty blockers can actually save lives. I understand that those away from the issue believe some of the more extreme incidents represent the norm. But that's not the case. I would rather listen to some of the best psychologists and doctors out there if it was my kid, rather than a politician who is politicizing it for their own gain. Now, people are disputing this, this point about reversibility. In fact, on I, I think it is Lupron, I could be wrong. It says outright that it may result in permanent loss of the ability to reproduce. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I think it does say directly that it'll affect this. And they give warnings to individuals who are going to take cross-sex hormones that you should take uh, actions to preserve your either eggs or sperm, because it could be the end for you once you do this. Elon Musk responds to Krasenstein saying, what research? Every child goes through, through an identity crisis, but leaping to a permanent solution that sterilizes them for life before they could possibly consent for themselves is wrong, plain and simple. Brian Krasenstein says, 
I don't completely disagree. I'm almost entirely against sex transition surgeries or sterilization in anyone under 18. Here is one of the reports I am referring to regarding depression and suicide rates among transgender teens. He goes on to say, uh, additionally, I would hope the parents who almost certainly have the interest of child at heart more so than random politicians do would make the correct decision after speaking to experts. I'm merely saying that as a parent, I'd want every option open and that no two cases are the same. Puberty blockers don't sterilize children. Wrong. That is incorrect. Hormone therapy in some cases can cause some males transitioning to female become sterile. Yes. But male to female transitions are very unlikely to impact fertility. Completely, completely, completely wrong and evil. Outright evil. Male to female transition includes the removal of the gonads and the ability to reproduce. You can argue that some transitioning doesn't, but much of it does. Healthcare providers can usually recommend a course of action that doesn't result in sterilization of a teenager. The government should not interfere with decisions that parents should be able to make along with experts regarding the best possible solutions for their children. One or two horrible cases does not represent what's actually going on here. In response, we do have this from Carolyn, who says the study only shows people a year out. It's not a great measure. There are plenty of things that increased my well-being for a year, jobs, relationships, etc. If any of those things have been permanent, I'd be incredibly depressed today. In response to uh, Krasenstein, Mia, Crimea River, writes, I wrote the article. And the point is, these boys have their puberty blocked the moment it starts. That can, co- that can be as young as 10 years old. So at age 10, they have to be able to consent not just to being sterilized and not just to a lifetime of being anorgasmic, but also to requiring the riskier form of vaginoplasty using a section of the colon. All that comes with early puberty suppression in male children, not in a tiny number of cases, but in the majority of cases. Do you honestly think a child can consent to such interventions? Interesting. Here's the question. Can a child consent to life-altering bodily alterations or surgeries? I'd say the answer is outright no, because these kids have not experienced life. They don't know. And so the safest bet is to allow natural development. But they don't. They don't. Elon Musk then says, I repeat my statement that any parent or doctor who who do this should go to prison for life. What about lobotomies? Lobotomies. Should parents have the right to go to a doctor, an expert, who says, your son is acting out, your daughter is acting out. We should remove a section of her frontal lobe. Should parents be allowed to do that? I think the answer is no. You should not be allowed to go to a doctor and get a prescription and a recommendation for a lobotomy on a child. Sorry. You know, there are challenges in how we deal with certain issues. Is the doctor the expert? Hmm. It's tough. What if a parent says my baby should be vegan? Should the government intervene? I say the answer is yes. What if a doctor says that the child should be given sex change surgery? Should the government intervene? I say yes. The question is not the principles of when and how the government is allowed to intervene. The question is our principles and our morals. That, that is to say, parents should have the ultimate say within reason. I shouldn't even say ultimate. 
Parents have the say within reason, and to a certain degree, the government can intervene. And I hear from my libertarian friends who say, statist, Tim, you're a statist. Statism. The real question is community and shared morality. If a group of people voted in the right to, like, I don't know, take another group of people and lock them in jail, should we allow the government to do that? No. You see what's happening in China with the Uyghur Muslims. I mean, these people mostly didn't vote this stuff in, but the government should not be allowed to do that. But just because the government does a bad thing doesn't mean that everything the government does is a bad thing. I think for the most part, what the government does are bad things. Don't get me wrong. I just think we as a community should decide some things we do not allow. Murder, for instance, like attacking people, for instance, the government intervenes in that regard. I don't know. Where would we be? Actually, I take that back. We know where we'd be. If there was no government intervention, take a look at New York, take a look at San Francisco. When criminals are allowed to run rampant and there's no intervention and no enforcement of law, that's what you get. The bigger problem is not so much the enforcement of law, but the lack of a shared morality. So this is where I'm at. When I look at these stories, I say this. Parents should be allowed to determine that their child does not receive certain procedures. The government should intervene on certain procedures purely based on my subjective morals. End of story. Because I think of it this way. Let's say a, a family says my baby should be vegan. OK, the baby's going to die. Right. So that's, that shouldn't be allowed. The government's got to stop that and make sure the kid can get proper nourishment. I agree with that. Let's say the parent says my child should not be forced to undergo a vaccination. The government should not be allowed to enforce that. That's just those are just my principles. Those are my morals. Those are my lines. I mean, I can break it down for you. Why? Uh, babies can't be vegan. I mean, they can be, but it's like really bad for them and they need protein to grow. And the issue of vaccination is that's less of a it's more of an opaque procedure in that well, I'm totally for vaccines. Love them. I think they're fantastic. Brilliant technology saving countless lives. However, parents have a harder time determining the effects and there are side effects and there are risks. That is to say, there, there are known side effects like Guillain-Barre syndrome for vaccines. I get it. But a parent has a right to say, I don't think the risks are worth it. Now, as for having your baby be vegan, okay, uh, yeah, that's just insane. Babies need to eat. Eating is a basic function. The process by which vaccines work is opaque. The sourcing of said vaccines is opaque, and it's hard for the average person to understand. So I, rec- I, I recognize there are serious challenges here. But the problem I think we're facing is that there is a conflict of morality. The left demands the right to intervene in some gr- on some grounds, but not on others, and the right has an inverted view. I side more so with the right on their view of morality. Don't sterilize kids. The left says keep the government out of it. Interesting, isn't it? Where that line is being drawn. In the end, I hope from this everyone recognizes just one simple factor here. Principles be damned. I mean, I have principles. They're rooted for the most part in understanding, truth, knowledge, etc. The right of the individual personal responsibility. And that informs my other decisions. But when it comes to matters of law and what we should and shouldn't allow, there's no hard line. You can't just say the government should never intervene. Okay, well, then you're going to get a whole bunch of crazy things happening to kids. Like if the government doesn't intervene ever, the government shouldn't mandate certain treatments. Okay, that means parents will seek out doctors who will give their kids sex changes and the government won't intervene. So you think the government should intervene and stop that and say you're not allowed to give your kid that treatment? Okay. well, if the government can intervene and determine the proper course of medical action, then they'll force your kids to get vaccinated. You see the point. 
It's not always about what the government can or can't do. It's about what we allow and what we accept the government doing. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Keep the pressure on. I think victory is just around the corner. The big news, of course, over the past several days has been that Bud Weiser and Ezra Bush has gotten rid of two marketing executives, placing them on leave. Now, many are simply saying, my friends, as soon as this all blows over, they're coming back. I'm not so sure. I wonder how much money they've lost. I wonder what their shareholders think. From the Daily Mail, Bud Light's hangover gets worse. Rivals Coors Light and Miller Light sales spike 18% in the wake of Dylan Mulvaney debacle as flagship brand suffers a 17% dip and industry insiders call crisis an extremely difficult scenario. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we got insiders coming out right now saying, yo, this is bad for the love of all that is holy Budweiser. Just apologize. Cowards. You deserve all of this. No one should buy your beer because you're cowards. Overwhelming market share is among the, you are losing this. What don't you get? Look, look how much you're dropping. 17% dip. Is that worth it? Do you think the other side is buying your beer to such a degree? Well, you know what? Fine. You deserve it. I'm getting to the point where you know, I want to say two things. If, uh, if you guys really want to put the pressure on, here's what I suggest. Find out who takes uh, pack dollars from Budweiser and Ezra Bush. Call them up and tell them to push the boycott. Anheuser-Busch has been supporting Republicans. Good, good. Get those Republicans on the record. Do they support Anheuser-Busch? That's what I think y'all should do. And the other thing is, this one's obvious. Don't buy Anheuser Bush products. But here's what I want to say. I'm getting to the point where uh, I, don't, I don't care if they apologize. I'll, I'll say this. If by the end of the week, Budweiser doesn't just come out and say, we are sorry for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. Just say that. Just say that one sentence. If they don't do that, I'm done. To be fair, to be a uh, reasonable, I don't drink their garbage beer. Um, I had uh, an apple cider a couple of weeks ago. I had some sake in the past week. I, I typically don't drink, but I, but I always say this a little bit sometimes. I had a yingling like seven months ago. You know, I'm not going to drink Bud Light. I'm not going to buy Bud Light for my company. I'm not going to buy it for corporate events. I'm not going to buy it for special events. When we did our show in Austin, we pulled Anheuser-Busch products. That was us. And if they come out this week and they say, look, we're really sorry about this. Can, can we just move on? You know, we won't do it again. I'll be like, yes, thank you for apologizing. Thank you for finally owning up. Let's move on. But they're not doing it. They're just being squeezed. And it's kind of crazy to me that Budweiser hates you so much that they would remove two staff members, that they would suffer a near 20% drop and probably worse because this, this is last week's sales data before they would ever apologize for spitting in your face. How remarkable. Take a look at the data. We got the look at this. Between April 2nd and April 15th, overall volume of sales of Bud Lighted bars dropped 34.7%. They would rather see that drop than tell you, I'm sorry. 
They would rather lose one third of sales than tell you they're sorry. It's amazing. It's amazing. I remember that leftists, when the boycott first started, said it's not so much that you're boycotting them, but that they disregard you as customers. (laughs) And they all laughed. But they're right. Anheuser-Busch hates your guts. They hate you. They absolutely hate you. That's the only thing I can see from this. I'm sorry. I saw the news. We talked about it last night, but I got really pissed off because I'm like 34.7% drop in the first week of the boycott. And you would not just say sorry. That's how much you hate your customers. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Meanwhile, Coors and Miller Lite are seeing a major bump. And I'm sure they're laughing all the way to the bank. Now, for the most part, I'm sure Coors and Miller are like, keep your head down. (laughs) Just take it. Just take the win. Amazing. Bud Light has suffered another blow in the fallout from its Dylan Mulvaney partnership as its rival sales have spiked. Take a look at that. Oh, you love to see it. At this point, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, I hope it drops more because I'm done. I'm sick of it. We're sitting here. We're saying, just apologize. We're not asking for the world. We're just asking you to come out and be like, yo, we're really sorry for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. We did not realize this individual is so divisive. We do not want to be involved in that conversation. I'd be like, okay, I accept it. Thank you very much. But they're worried about Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg came out and said, don't fear them, fear us. And Budweiser went, oh, geez, who should we be more afraid of? Our actual customers or the people who are whining on TV? Fine, whatever, man. You do what you want to do, Anheuser-Busch. I don't care. Because I'll tell you this. Coors Light, Miller Light. Look at that. Big bump on April 8th. That's about a day after the boycott started. It's like a a couple days. Bud Light drops by 6%. Then you get Coors Light and and Miller Light. Look at that. How, How interesting. Jumping by almost the exact number. Bud Light sales drop. Coors and Miller Light sales both go up. And what did they go up by? 3.5 and 3.1. Hmm. So we're looking at about 6.6%. You know what makes sense to me? That when, let's just say six people stop buying Bud Light, they then go to the store and about five of them buy Coors or Miller and one of them buys both. And that's, and that's what we're looking at. Now, granted, the, the scale is actually much bigger than that. But look at that. By April 15th, sales were down negative 17%. And Coors and Miller were up 10.6 and 11.5. That's what I'm saying. Now, here's the best part. By April, what is this? I can't see the date. April 22nd, we can see that Bud Light's down 6.7 and Coors and Miller are up 18% each. Now, hold on there a minute. I explained this before. Many of you are probably saying, hey, look, the boycott's weakening. It's only down. No, 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 no. Nope, it's actually getting worse. Let me explain. If 100 people buy a beer and 6% stop, you now have 94%. If 17% of that 94 then take a big drop off, I don't think I'm going to be able to do the 17 out of 94 in my head fast enough for the segment. The point is, we're now looking at around 80, 80, uh, no, was like 77 or so people buying the beer, maybe 80. Let's just let's just do the numbers straight up. A 77, I mean, is probably it's probably 78, 79. So here's what happens. If 20% of people stop buying your beer in the first week, you will see a 20% reduction in sales. 
If next week they still don't buy your beer, you will see a 0% reduction in sales because 80% are still buying. Get it? Which means this is entirely predictable. The biggest drop-off happened the week after the boycott started. And now the boycott is actually still ongoing. But because y'all have stopped buying their beer, you don't register in the drop-off anymore. Get it? So Bud Light's sales are getting worse. Despite the fact it says 6.7% down, there's a market cap. And I wonder if Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch is, is thinking to themselves, I think they're, they're wondering, like, how far can we go down? I think they're probably uh, hoping that they only shave off maybe 30%. Man, that's a big drop off. I tell you what, a big drop off. 17%, then 6.7. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, but their rivals are also growing. So I'm curious. I think that Bud Light, they would rather see you leave. I wonder if what they're actually thinking right now is like, okay, we pissed everybody off. Let's see who we lose and who we keep. They don't care about you. In fact, they most likely despise you. And how much do you want to bet the CEO doesn't even drink beer? I would be willing to bet the guy who runs this does not drink. Drinking's bad for you, yo. I understand people enjoy it, but it really does mess you up. I love seeing these, uh, these tweets where people are like, you ever noticed that back in the 80s and 90s, people in their 30s looked a lot older? Yeah, what's up with that? You know, nowadays people are like, you look so young. I think it's because back then they smoked and they drank booze a lot. And the millennial generation doesn't. And Gen Zers, not so much. So there is still a lot of drinking, don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of, it was a combination of smoking, drinking, and leaded gasoline. And that aged people and their skin, and it looked a lot older. And now, you know, I mean, think about like uh, Jason Alexander, right? George Costanza on Seinfeld. He was like, what was he? In? He was like 30 years old or something when that show started. And so was and Jerry Seinfeld, I think, was in his late 20s. And we look at them and we're like, really? They look like they were 40 compared to where we are now. I don't know. Don't ask me. I think drinking probably played a role. Here's the other news as it pertains to all of this. Dylan Mulvaney still has not posted anything. But what I find fascinating in all of this is that Dylan Mulvaney is actually still getting some flack from the left. That's probably why Dylan Mulvaney stopped posting, not because of the right. Here's the last post Dylan Mulvaney made, April 7th. I want to make sure uh, uh, y'all hear this. This is important. Don't forget that we're all humans, man. Dylan Mulvaney needs someone who cares about him to come and stop him and pull him back from the brink. I say it in every video. I know you guys hear it, but Dylan Mulvaney's not trans. Sorry. Just based on every standard definition medically, there are trans YouTubers who have come out and said Dylan Mulvaney does not exhibit any of the actual trans behaviors, does not appear to be taking estrogen, and actually celebrates his own male body parts completely in... in uh, What's the, what's the word I'm thinking of? Completely acting in the opposite as to what trans people typically would be willing to do publicly, leading these other YouTubers to say that Dylan Mulvaney is not really trans. And I'm, I think that makes sense. Dylan Mulvaney is trying to get clicks. What ends up happening is you get a tweet like this. I stopped supporting you after the ads. You shouldn't be taking women's spots when you have never experienced women pain. There's someone who liked Dylan. And there's a bunch of comments from people who are seemingly on the left saying things like, you're now taking ad campaigns against away from women. We supported you, but this is what you've done. I think that may be what's really getting to Dylan. So I hope there are people who are working with Dylan, family or friends who care about this person, who are there for them. You know, 
We talk about people who got snatched up by the algorithms and started producing unhinged content. There are people who were conservative, became liberal, rarely, but a couple of them. I'm not going to name them. There are people who are liberal, who became conservative, and they're accused of grifting. Dylan Mulvaney is a grifter. Dylan Mulvaney is king grifter. You are not. I'm sorry. Uh, I just don't. I, 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 I don't believe that Dylan Mulvaney is transgender. Dylan Mulvaney made a video singing about having uh, male parts and that it's OK and look at and, and, to, to, and to look at it. And I'm just like, that doesn't seem like gender dysphoria and especially doesn't seem like autogynephilia. And then the inverse, of course, for those that aren't familiar, autoantrophilia doesn't seem like that because in every circumstance, a person who is gender dysphoric or who is AAPAGP doesn't sing about and celebrate their actual body parts. No, what Dylan is doing is just whatever seems to get clicks. And it's starting to piss off everyone, even people on the left. I think TikTok should ban Dylan Mulvaney. I think TikTok should say, look, this is clearly unhealthy and we're concerned about you. We want you to be happy. And this is just making your life more stressful and worse. And I think Dylan, if, had, if Dylan had anybody who cared about them, would be saying, you need to stop. It's time to come home. It's time to stop doing this. It's destructive. But you know what? The machine just exploits. YouTube just exploits. YouTube takes down videos that are critical of Dylan Mulvaney. It's been going on for the past couple of weeks because YouTube wants the money. So YouTube is unwilling to actually allow conversations that would seek to help this person because it doesn't make them money. That's the horrifying reality of where we're at. You know, you got this story from page six. Fans defend Dylan Mulvaney's Maybelline ad amid boycott calls. Nothing but bigots. Leftist and liberal women are now apparently also angry with Dylan Mulvaney. Because prominent women are losing out on makeup commercials and Nike ads. Oh, boy. You know, it's funny because when it comes to men competing in women's sports, you see a lot of this stuff. Females are, 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 are pissed off. But here's the thing. These women weren't political until it happened to them. We didn't hear a whole lot from these uh, female athletes athletes until they lost. In fact, some of them still won't speak up, even though I know because behind the scenes, I hear what's being said. They're like, I don't want to be political. It's like, yo, you just had your career taken from you. Yeah. Women are more agreeable, I guess. They'll let it happen. But now Dylan Mulvaney is doing makeup commercials. Dylan Mulvaney is doing sportswear for women. And women are losing these jobs. That's got to be frustrating. You know, you have this women's empowerment thing about women going and getting jobs and being, you know, being able to take care of themselves and being independent. But now there is a biological male who is, according to many transgender YouTubers, not even trans or at least doesn't exhibit it, appears to still have facial hair and it's not getting anything to change that, nor do they appear to be on estrogen, despite saying on two different occasions they had just started, which is weird, contradicts himself. But now you have females who are like, I could be doing that makeup stuff. And it's Dylan Mulvaney. Now, look, I get it. I get it. There's a bunch of men like and I, I'm not talking about trans people. I'm talking about actual men who do makeup channels. And they've been YouTube's been very much supporting makeup for men. I'll tell you why this is. It's really obvious. Look, if I sell makeup and I got 100 women buying the product and zero men, I'm like, I could double my profits if I can convince men to wear makeup. So it works. The only problem is. It works for only so long. 
when you get guys marketing your makeup, saying guys can wear makeup, then you get a bunch of dudes wearing makeup. You make more money. But then when you hire someone like Dylan, who says not only can they wear makeup, be uh, sponsored by the makeup company, but they're actually a woman. Now you've just got nothing but males doing the marketing, women being pushed out. This is very much, in my opinion, like what's happening with women's sports. We're going to see this across the board. More males will push women out of their fields. Teachers, going to be male. Nurses, going to be male. Going to keep happening. And it's going to be males who tell everyone they're actually women. And then there's not going to be any female women in the in- in industry. So what are they going to do for money? I'm really interested to see where all, all this goes, to be completely honest, because I don't know for sure. I can only tell you this. I think people are reaching a breaking point. I think the beer stuff plays a big role in this. I think that the reason I, I don't think conservatives have the ability to get Dylan to stop posting. Now, I think the left will try and blame the right saying you, you attacked Dylan Mulvaney, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, do I stop making content when the left comes after me? No. Does Matt Walsh? No. Does Ben Shapiro? No. Does Jenk Uger stop making content when the right criticizes him? No. However, there is something to be said when, when your own side attacks you. You actually see people break down, back down, and stop. Because now they're actually at risk. Now it's actually stressful. Now everybody hates you. So let me put it this way. Dylan Mulvaney is probably going through a stressful time with a lot of people on the right saying, we do not like you. Please stop. And you can ignore that because you have support. You have people on the left saying, no, no, we love you. Keep doing. Keep doing what you're doing. But what happens when the left then says, no, we also don't like you? Uh Uh-oh. Everybody hates you? Oh, now you got to rethink what you're doing. I love that uh, that meme where they say, like, over target or if 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 both sides are mad at you, you must be doing something right. It's like, not always, man. Not always. So when Dylan Mulvaney is getting flack from both sides and stops posting, I'm not surprised. Genuinely not surprised. Where's the left rushing to the defense of Dylan Mulvaney? little bit. Not really. They don't care. Bud Light is reeling from a boycott and the left does not care. They don't care about Bud Light beer or Dylan Mulvaney. That's why Bud Light's only option right now is to apologize. But they're such pathetic, spineless cowards. They won't do it. They're scared. It's too hard. Aw, you worry Antifa's not going to buy your beer? They don't buy your beer anyway, dude. Not only do they not have money, but they don't care about you. They want to wear your institution like a skin suit. They want to win that battle. But I got to be honest, I think they know they can't. And that's why the left has not come out more strongly in favor of Anheuser-Busch. You're not going to win beer. Bud Light has effectively turned their product into a symbol of being effeminate. Do you think a 38 to 45 to 65 year old dude who typically will be at a barbecue and crack a Bud Light, do you think they want to be perceived as weak and effeminate? No, they don't. Being around their guy buddies and being like, toss me a Bud Light. And they're going to be like, why? Are you gay? No, no, no. Family guy made a joke about it. They had everybody in Congress and uh, I can't remember who, who they were making fun of, but they were like, or I think it was Stewie was making a joke. He, he, he was convincing everyone to go to war in Iraq. And he's like, he's like, let's just keep one thing clear. Those who don't want to go to war in Iraq are gay. And then all the Congress people are like, I, I, I want to go to a war. I, I was the first person that wanted to go to the war. There's nothing wrong with being gay. In my opinion, you live your life, you do your thing, you love who you love. My point is, there are a lot of guys who 
do not want to be called gay. So why would they want to drink a beer that has become a symbol of being trans and effeminate? They wouldn't. They'd be like, throw me a Miller. There's no brand loyalty on garbage beer that people drink for the sake of getting drunk. There's a bunch of options. Now, here's what I think, too. I think this is a Bud Light is seeing a sales drop. But what about their other Anheuser-Busch brands? I'm not so sure the other brands are suffering as much. Probably a little bit. But I'm sure a bunch of people just went, don't get Bud Light. I'll drink Michelob or uh, Modelo or something. I wouldn't be surprised if they're all basically the same beer, to be completely honest. But uh, I never liked Bud Light. I don't know. Maybe I just, I don't know, maybe just, it's, it's watery garbage, I guess. I like Modelo. Granted, um, it's all relatively similar. It's like when someone comes in and says, do you like Coke or Pepsi more? And it's like, well, to be honest, I kind of like Coke from Mexico better, but I don't want to drink either of them because they're bad for you. So look, man, I hope people who care about Dylan are, 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 are taking care of him and helping him get through this because someone needs to tell him to stop, stop, stop. It's not worth it, man. Dylan needs an intervention. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Yeah, I don't know how many people actually care about this story, but I have to I have to do a segment on it. Nate Silver out at ABC News as Disney layoffs once again hit news division. It's the collapse of the corporate press. Nate Silver is not the worst guy, but watching ABC News get smacked around with these layoffs, I got to say, I'm having a good time this week. News has been absolutely amazing. The second round of, this is from a Hollywood reporter, the second round of Disney laughs once again hit ABC News on Tuesday with Nate Silver's data-driven politics and journalism brand 538 among those being impacted. Silver told 538 employees in a Slack message that he expects to leave Disney when his contract is up, which he added would be soon, the Hollywood reporter has learned. Let me tell you all about it. Nate Silver runs this uh, data-driven blog, and they have all these polls, and the polls, for some reason, just tend to skew Democrat. It's a game. It's a dirty game. It's a manipulation game. I think what the pollsters do is they want to create a perception of popularity, and I think most of you agree. The goal is to convince regular people that in order to be on the side of the winner, you got to be a Democrat, because all the polls show that Joe Biden's winning, Donald Trump can't win. And then, of course, the polls tend to be wrong every single time. It's funny, for the, the last election, the polls were actually wrong about the Republicans, and the past three were wrong about Democrats. To put it mildly, I don't trust them. I don't think they actually care to give you accurate information. I think there's a handful of pollsters who do, but this ain't one of them. So as much as I don't, I don't, I don't hate Nate Silver, I mean, I'm fairly neutral on the guy. He's he's got he's had some good posts. He's made some good comments in the past. I take a look at this and uh, it's just good to see the corporate press imploding. Now, most of you know my history. I worked for an ABC News Univision company called Fusion and it went imploded. Get woke, go broke. Oh, boy. Could I ever say so? They laid off the entire staff. Eventually, the site just exploded and everybody was gone. They didn't listen. And I got to wonder, what was, their, what was their goal with everything they were doing? I told them outright, if you do this, you will fail. And the proper direction is the direction that I'm going. I said, regular people just want regular news and information. They don't want to have this weird progressive garbage smack them, smacking them in the face. They get offended by it. They don't want to watch it. 
I wasn't telling him to be conservative. I said, just do the news. I didn't want to do it. ABC News is expected to keep 538 brand name with plans to streamline the site and make it more efficient. ABC News remains dedicated to the data journalism with a core focus on politics, the economy and enterprise reporting. The streamlined structure will allow us to be more closely aligned with our priorities for the 2024 election and beyond. An ABC News spokesperson said in a statement, we are grateful for the invaluable contributions of the team members who will be departing the organization and know they will continue to make an important impact on the future of journalism. In his Slack message, Silver wrote that unfortunately, the day we've been worried about has arrived. We don't yet know the scope of these layoffs, exactly who is impacted or the terms under which they are departing, but it is going to be a hard day for all of us, he added. Silver founded 538 in 2008, eventually bringing it to the New York Times. Silver would go on to sell the the site to Disney's ESPN. It later was moved to ABC News. His departure will be the first time that Silver has not been involved in the site since it launched 15 years ago. Talk about brutal. You know, in this day and age, I have to wonder about why anybody would sell their company, right? And and you know that I've mentioned this several times. There are companies that absolutely want to absorb Timcast, but why would I do it? Why? I'll be honest with you guys. I'll tell you exactly what's up, why and how and whatever else. Timcast Media, what's the valuation of this company? It's really high. It is. I was talking to Charlie Kirk about this and based on the revenue that we bring in, and I've mentioned it before, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going to scream it out this time. I've, I've said it before, but the, and the memberships that we've have, we have, it's actually a fairly, uh, fairly valuable company. I guess the big challenge is it all hinges upon the content I produce and Timcast IRL, of course, with the staff and everything, but those are, that's the strongest IP held by, by the company. So when I get these big conservative brands and when I get corporate institutions or whatever, when I get new upstarts or startups, sorry, upstarts, startups coming to me and saying that they want to license or purchase, you know what I say to them? You know what I say? I look them in the eye and I say, how much? How much? Because I recognize the, the power in the work that I do as an individual. And seeing Tucker Carlson ousted from Fox, I know full well him leaving doesn't mean all that much. Nate Silver, on the other hand, I'm not so sure. So the question for all of these companies that say they want to have the show hosted there, it's like, okay, can you do the show without me? The answer is they can't. So there is value if these companies are willing to pay top dollar to buy us out. I put that money in the bank. We do the show like we always do. And then if the contract expires or we, it goes sour, I have the money to launch something bigger and better. The problem is these companies, they don't want to actually pay. They're hoping And this is what really frustrates me about the independent ecosystem and the corporate press, because they all do the same thing. They hope you are too stupid to know your own worth. Now, as for Nate Silver, I got to be honest, I'm not so confident he's going to actually be able to pull through. Um, What may happen, investors may go to him and say, how much do you need to start a new data-driven site? But Nate Silver doesn't have that gravitas of someone like Tucker Carlson, and even to a substantially lesser degree, someone like me. If I were to stop doing all of this, sell it all, and make a new show called TimNews.cast or something like that, it would work. I'd make money. People would want to watch. If you, if you ran TimCast IRL without me, it would probably, it'd probably do okay because the time slot and the format are strong, but I'd probably just end up taking it over. I'd, I'd take over the time slot if I just pursued it, much like Tucker Carlson will, for his own audience. 
That is to say, these corporate outlets, they can't do anything anymore. The reason why I'm telling you all this, there's no reason for me to sell out to a company, mostly because it's it's mostly me. And I'm not, I'm not saying the staff doesn't count. I'm saying like, if I do a show, the show succeeds. So why would I bother doing a deal with any one of these companies? It makes no sense. Now, I suppose there are personalities that can't do it on their own and they need a machine. They need someone behind the administrative side building things for them. I'm not so sure that Nate Silver and those at ABC News are going to be able to pull off an institutional victory after being ousted by their corporate overlords. They started something. It got a little popular. They sell it. Now what? 538 is 538. And that's the risk for a lot of these people when they sell it to the corporate press. You will be consumed. Now, for these corporations, I'll tell you a secret. The reason why Fox may have gotten rid of Tucker Carlson, he's too big for his britches. The reason why ABC wants to get rid of Nate Silver, they don't want personality-driven brands. They want brand-driven brands. Tucker Carlson was too big. Rupert Murdoch was probably mostly concerned with the fact that, I mean, look where they are right now. Tucker Carlson leaving and everyone saying, rip Fox News. That's the last thing he wants. He's Fox News. He doesn't want Tucker Carlson to take his brand down when they get rid of him. If they waited too long and Tucker Carlson became the brand, then they'd never be able to get rid of him. He'd basically inherit the company. So they need to get rid of him ASAP. And the same is true for Nate Silver. They want 538 to be a prominent brand moving into this, one of the most consequential elections of our lives and of this country's history. And do they want this guy to be the face of that brand? Of course not. Of course not. Although funny story, I think I just, I think Nate Silver actually was playing on the, uh, uh, the Lodge Poker live stream. I saw that and I was like, is Nate Silver playing poker? That's so weird. Fun game. You guys know I play. But I think Disney is looking at this like, we don't want these personalities. We just want the brand so we can interchange it and lower our overhead. Getting rid of someone like Nate Silver, I wonder how much they're paying this guy. Now, here's where I'm really excited. With the news of Nate Silver being out, with Don Lemon being out, and unfortunately, to a certain degree, Tucker Carlson, it looks like cable TV news, corporate press, and all of this stuff is imploding. It's great. It's great. You guys having a good day? I'm having a good day. I don't, I don't have the same level, uh, uh, amount of disdain for Nate Silver as I do for, say, like Don Lemon or Jim Acosta, but he's not, he's not the greatest guy. He's not the guy, but he's okay. He's okay. So, you know, good luck to him in the future. I'm just excited to see that the mechanisms by which they seek to control the narrative and lie to the people are falling apart. And this gives me great hope, a great white pill moment. And so I will say this. I don't think very many people care about Nate Silver at all. And I was getting ready to do this segment. I'm like, I bet people are going to be like, I don't know who this is and I don't care, but I have to do it. I have to talk about it because, because this just shows we are winning. The path forward is paved with gold, ladies and gentlemen. And Timcast is growing. Dan Bongino's through the roof. Rumble is growing. Tucker Carlson is now untethered. Victory lies ahead, my friends. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. I want you all to see this video from Chris Mowry. Gen Z Democrat passionate about change. All right. I don't know how old this guy is. He's Gen Z. But let me just give you a little bit of advice, my good friend. I remember when I was young and idealistic. But uh, I learned a very valuable lesson speaking to those who were older than me. One, older does not mean smarter. So many of these older people were dumb as a box of rocks. 
And boy, was I sick and tired of hearing from people that with age comes wisdom. I'm like, not for everybody, dude. There's a lot of young people with a lot of wisdom out there. So you would be wise not to underestimate young people who pay attention, who read and who are uh, um, politically active. That's an important lesson for you, my friend. And I think you're probably feeling that right now. But there is something else to be said. While I don't think that age equates to wisdom, I do think that wisdom does. And some people have it. And you should be wise to hear what all people have to say and then sort out what is wisdom, what is sophistry, and what is pure idiocy. I want to play this video for all of uh, all the rest of you so you can hear the righteous indignation of this young Democrat. And then I will thoroughly debunk it, unfortunately for him. But I hope, Chris, you see this video too, and uh, it may help you. I don't think it'll change your opinion or anything, but maybe it will help you in your quests and endeavors. So it's important that you probably listen. Let me play this video and uh, here this we go. This is a message to all the Republicans funded by the NRA, and this was inspired by a fantastic paper written by Chloe. Let me tell you something. Gen Z has sat by and idly watched as our friends and our family members are killed in schools and a gun epidemic has overtaken this country. We have sat by and we have idly watched over and over and over again as you value NRA money and the right to a gun over our lives. But this is what you do not understand. We are no longer watching. We are now voting. We are now in the streets and I would be scared. Your Time has come and 2024 will be ugly. We are your time has come. Yes, Chris, you're correct. The Second Amendment is winning and allow me to show you the data. But let me wrap up. Let me allow you to wrap up over this. Martin was a 14 year old boy at Stoneman Douglas High School. He wanted to grow up and be in the Navy. He got shot and killed. You took away his right to be safe in school and grow up with life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And I promise you, you should be scared for 2024 because we are coming. We are coming. This is a message to all the Republicans. You're not. Young people just don't vote. But OK, you know, I'm one who actually points this out quite a bit. Young people they don't vote in large numbers, but they do vote and they do sw- swing politically in one direction. And that is mostly due to ignorance. First, uh, I think I don't think it has anything to do with age. I don't care how old you are, dude. Uh, I just think that you're not particularly knowledgeable. And there's there's philosophical concepts that strike at the heart of your argument. You said that NRA funded politicians and people favor gun rights over their lives uh, that's not, there's no correlation between the two things. Obviously people who uh, either humans support life or they don't, but people prefer the right to defend their own lives and the lives of those they care about by being armed. So you'd argue that a criminal who took criminal action is the fault of the individuals who want the right to defend themselves from criminals. See, the logic doesn't follow there, but I'm not here to make a logical argument about guns because obviously my, my view is Arguing that only the state should have guns results in, say, like a Michael Brown scenario. So let me do this before I show you that you're losing. You know, I think it's important you look and explain why. I'd like to state this. Chris Mowry, you support the killing of Michael Brown. You, you support the killing of Michael Brown. You we stood by as you fought to empower the state, only the state to have guns that they use to kill innocent people. You see, I can do it, too. You want to make the argument that only the government can have guns. That's what you get. You get more stories about unarmed individuals being killed. I think we need police reform. I think cops are typically good. 
I think there are bad cops and bad departments, and we're having a hard time weeding out that corruption. I'd like to do away with that corruption. I think we'd, be, we'd do better if we had community policing. This means a, a branch of the police that are not armed. Typical patrol officers are armed. I see like traffic cops, and I'm like, what are they armed for? Like, if, if someone attacks you, I mean, it, it sucks. But I'll put it this way. You can't, you can't have this distinction. Either the government is allowed to be armed all the time and they kill innocent people, or everyone is allowed to be armed and we equalize it. 3D printed guns exist. Point one, you cannot stop the proliferation of firearms because now they can be 3D printed. That's it. Argument over. But you know what? For the sake of it, let me show you something else. This is just little old Wikipedia. Constitutional carry. Well, why don't I show you all the states that allow constitutional carry? It would seem, my friends, that we are now looking at around 27 states that have allowed constitutional carry. Let me show you the, uh, here we go. What do we got here? What do we got here? Ages to carry without a permit. So we got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. As of right now, 25 states allow permitless carry. Now, by age, it varies. Uh, Open and concealed change. But mostly all these states allow between the ages of 21 and 18. With the exception of Utah, uh, I'm sorry, Vermont, (laughs) you could be 16 years old and concealed carry without a permit. How about them apples? But I got one more for you, my friend. You see, The issue is 25 are officially on board, and there are two more that are about to 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 happen, about to uh, uh, enact this. So uh, let me let me make sure I can get the uh, do they have the the the, the latest data on on here? Say Vermont, blah blah blah. We have this uh, this image here showing uh, uh, the various states, Florida and Nebraska just signed. uh, Here we go, uh, Florida concealed carry only. On April 3rd, DeSantis signed the bill, allowing a constitutional carry bill only for concealed carry. Open carry is still illegal. So unless for hunting, fishing, camping, etc. So uh, you can conceal carry a a weapon without a permit in Florida. And then I think we have uh, Nebraska was the uh, was the latest. So they don't they don't have it in here just yet. But let me see if they um, here we go. Open carry without a permit is generally legal in Nebraska but may be restricted by local governments. A permit is required while open carrying in a vehicle since the Supreme Court ruled. I think it was Nebraska. I, I, could, be, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they just voted. Uh, a person may not acquire. I'm pretty sure they just voted to, to allow it. It hasn't, yet, hasn't uh, gone into effect yet. Now, there are only three states. Get this. Three states right now. Let's see. Let's pull this up. Take a look at this. Take a look at this map. Permit required. And you have uh, you have Nebraska and you have Florida, which will uh, requirement set to be eliminated. And then you have it's, it's, it's actually hard to read the key here. Permit required in a handful of states. But let me show you. Let me show you where this uh, this latest this, this. Where's the other map? At? There we go. Open carry of handguns in the United States legal with no permit or license required. Hey, look at that. That's most of the country. You have only a handful of states. That uh, are, are that ban uh, handguns and guns in general. Open carry in Hawaii, even long guns are banned in Hawaii. Handguns are just with a permit. 
you have most of the country allowing guns. So I just want to say, dude, you lost this already. Have you taken a look at the at the map? Watch this. I love showing this map. In the 80s, you couldn't have a gun. And watch as time goes on, more and more states become shall issue. And then more and more states become unrestricted. Here we go. 1998, 1999, 2000. More and more states are becoming shall issue states, meaning they have to give you a permit. Alaska is unrestricted. The whole country is basically turning blue at this point where everyone's allowed to get a permit. 2011 shows the rise of constitutional carry, meaning you can buy a gun and you can walk around with it on your person with no permit. We are winning. The people are winning. And statists like you who want only the government to have the right to keep and bear arms are losing. You've lost. You lost already, dude. Get the propaganda out of your head. Because if you if you allow that, if that's your, that's your argument, only the government should have guns, then you create a world of Michael Browns. Now, of course, I understand the story about Michael Brown is a bit more complicated than just a cop shooting a person. But that's my point. How many more stories will we get of unarmed people being killed by police wrongly when you say only the government can have guns? Because here's, here's, here, here's what I can explain to you. The police should fear that if they storm into your home, their lives are at risk. Now, nobody should be shot. Nobody should lose their life. But the government should fear the people. The people should not fear the government. The government should know they need a warrant and they will knock. Because if they break into the wrong house, the people who live there have a right to defend themselves and can. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.